This is a Loosely Coupled Show with James Hickey and Derek Martin. We talk about software architecture and design. Make sure to subscribe to get all our latest episodes. Yeah, so caching, it was top of mind. And I know like we talked about it a little bit before in an app that you were dealing with a few months ago, you were talking about it. And it just came up with something that I was dealing with. So I created a video around it. And I tweeted this saying that like pro tip is caching, don't. <laughs> and like, I'm kind of being a jerk. It's kind of like a jerk statement because it's like, yeah, I mean, I cache stuff. So it's like, I'm not even following my own rule. But the point of it really was that it's not as simple as just, hey, let's throw Redis in the mix here and all our problems are solved. It's like you're sol solving a problem, but you're going to add a pile of complexity that I don't yeah. know that if you if you never really dealt with caching that much, that there's a bunch of little caveats that I only kind of post, I only kind of talked about a few of them because I don't, I like having my videos super long because people just kind of bail out. Yeah. But it was a few things. One was like, it's the old, you know what I mean? What's the complex things in software? It's like cache invalidation. And that one is and isn't to me, surprisingly. Like I've never really had that big of an issue in validating cache. I assume the reason why cache invalidation could be a real pain in the ass for people is because they don't have a centralized place that is making those changes to your primary database. Right. I would add another one. Okay. I don't want to break your train of thought though. Okay. So I was going to say like that. And what I meant by that is like our rule is, okay, there's an ape, there's a specific API generally, whether people know this is the rule or not, but there's a specific API generally that is making state changes for something. Um, if you want to know where data change from, you're going to go to those features or that section of the, of the system that does deals with that. If there's no random store procedure somewhere, there's no, some other app somewhere else that's has access to the database. Hence why the whole services don't interact with other services, databases, like there's not, there's a centralized place where state change happens to our primary database. So therefore invalidating the cache is actually really easy because there's only one central point where stuff gets changed. But if you have other apps or multiple apps, or store procedures or God knows where that are changing data. I could see how, well, cache invalidation would be a nightmare because how the hell do you invalidate the cache if you got stuff like you got no centralized place to know that it's happening? Yeah. That's basically, I was going to kind of highlight that and actually come back to the whole boundaries thing again, which it keeps coming up. If, if your, if your boundaries are wrong, and we've talked about this kind of, I guess, which will be an episode on its own with the cap and all that stuff. It's like, uh, if I'm, yeah, if I am doing some, performing some kind of command or action or, or some kind of query or, or whatever it may be, and then if my boundaries are wrong, then in order you know, this comes back to that whole like consistency thing. If if actually the thing that I'm dealing with, 
I've actually modeled that wrong and I've split it incorrectly. And now like, let's see, I split it apart into two and I have one part of that in one system and one part of it in another system or not even system, it could just be in another part of my application altogether like in the same code base. But then it's like the part A always needs part B um, and then maybe even like the other way around, part B sometimes needs to know things about part A, which like, clearly they probably belong together to, if, if that's happening. Um, but then, yeah, you get those kinds of things where it's like, that's two, but what if it's like five, right? What if it's like five different parts and they all... Oh, I see what you mean. Like you really need to have information from the other parts. And it's like, yeah, it's like, in part A, it needs to know when it stores its information, it needs to actually invalidate like pieces of uh, the other things. Yeah. So right? you're like, and, it's like this composition thing where you have some exactly, cache. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I mentioned that in, the, in my post, but maybe somebody left a comment, which I was kind of touching on, which is, yeah, if you have like something in cache being composed from a bunch of different things, then yeah, that would be... Yeah problematic as well however but, if you're but using... you may not like totally realize because oh i see boundaries what are wrong right yeah it's it's like i i can't think of it like an actual example but i've seen it and it's basically yeah it's like you said right it's, it's like it very it very much comes down to just that lack of thinking about designing boundaries right so it's like like you said you have a stored procedure that's selecting like information from just all this stuff <laughs> or like you know people i mean we use start procedures to query and do commands right so it's like you have a store procedure that's like fetching all this data and then storing a piece of that but then somewhere in your application like it needs to have some of that invalidated so yeah it just it becomes this like garbled mess of of uh like yeah some one piece of the application needing to invalidate the cache of like in some cases i've seen like other like remote systems cache yeah so like i i yeah i understand that i guess yeah on how i use it, it hasn't really been an issue but yeah once you're starting talking about this i'm like oh good lord like <laughs> like i can see yeah. how it's that's a problem um <laughs> for sure uh yep. <laughs> especially like in older like systems that have been living a while and yeah, What's mutated it? over time. The other thing that I kind of touched on, which um, is just that there's different ways that you can deal with the cache or populating the cache, right? Like you can do write-throughs where immediately when you're... And it, but again, this depends on what you're caching and how if that's composed from one thing or many things. Um, but just the idea of, okay, if you're making state change, then to the data, primary database, you'll immediately, immediately add... Like if, it's, if you're adding something to your database, then you'll immediately add that cache value to your cache. Um, if you're changing something, then you'll just up, basically either update the cache or just invalidate the cache. Um, and then if you're invalidating the cache and you don't always have everything in cache, you're basically doing lazy loading, which is called a cache aside, which is you're basically populating the cache when a request, when something needs, when some client or caller needs something from the cache, you're checking, is it in the cache? If not, then you're basically fetching it out of the database, composing it however the hell you're composing it, and then adding it to the cache. Um, so 
the interesting thing with that is that you once you start doing that, you're like, oh wow, well you know what this would be, this is awesome because if the database goes down, it's like, or like if your cache is unavailable for whatever reason, like this is just gonna work. Assuming you have the yeah. code to deal with exceptions, can't connects, and timeouts and crap, you're like, we'll just go and hit the database. And I experienced this. That's all great and dandy until you realize how many calls <laughs> you're making yeah. to the cache. And now those are all of a sudden being, they're falling back to the database. And it's like, can yeah. the database handle all the load now or whatever you're failing back on to the database? It's like, did you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> was it a surprise to me? It's like, well, yeah. hang on, what's got, what's going on here? And the funny thing with the cache, at least with Redis and .NET anyways, is all my issues with it and using like Stack Exchange Redis, not with Stack Exchange Redis or Redis, it's actually the individual processes or host or whatever they're on being CPU bound and not being able to get the data from Redis or write the data to Redis in whatever the timeout we have set as. So what that's almost every issue I've dealt with for the most, like there's other stuff, but it's, oh, it's never, I should say, put it this way. It's never actually Redis that's causing an issue. <laughs> it's always the individual client, like, you know what I mean? That's trying to read or write from Redis. That's always the issue. Yeah. Is it like deserialization issues? Or no, it's so basically like, like other... the simplest example is if you, for example, have a like, I don't know, I'll just make up a random number. Say you have like a hundred millisecond timeout. So any operation that you request to Redis, you're going to say, okay, it's going to be a hundred milliseconds. Otherwise I'm going to fall back to the day. I'm, it's, I'm just going to bail out and then it's going to look like a cache miss or it's going to go through the same steps and then it's going to go hit your database. If you have really high CPU, like say you're just pegged, like you're max 100% CPU for whatever reason. Oh, like, like already, yeah. And you try to make that request to Redis because you're CPU bound and other stuff's happening. Like you're not, it's that operation of, even though Redis can give back to you really quickly, you're still going to be waiting, especially with async. Like you're going to, yeah. that's going to take more than that 100 milliseconds, potentially say it does, takes longer than the 100 milliseconds. So then you'll get a timeout and then you'll go hit the database, but like, it's not because Redis was down. It's because you were, yeah. you were pegged and you actually couldn't perform that operation quick enough to actually so receive actually the data. So it like this, this vicious cycle of like, now I'm trying to do more. hit the database yeah. again. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm doing more work. Yeah. So now the next request is going to be even worse. And then... Yeah. And like everything I'm talking about right now, it's like, it's all this complexity because you're like, that you... Yeah, you're dealing now with okay the the host of the, this running process. If it's if it for now, what's the issue? Like, why is it getting these timeouts? Like, why is it not hitting? Because there's nothing wrong with Redis. And then you're trying to figure all this out. And then you're like, okay, well, what we need to start doing is having some type of limit on the number of failures we can have before we like maybe start throwing some metrics out, or we want to automatically fail back to the database if we're just constantly timing out because something's wrong clearly, yeah, right? Because you don't know. You don't know why you're timing out. Is it Redis? Is it like, you don't necessarily know in code why that is that you're timing out. 
So it where I was getting at with this video, it's just, it's not just hey let's let's throw Redis in front of something and start caching something. Yeah. It's like it's you're you're gonna solve you're potentially solving a problem of whatever it is that you like. Most times I'd assume people are adding caching to not have to make a database call because you want to basically remove load from the database. So you're gonna basically shift it to something else. But you're adding you're introducing another piece of infrastructure. Right in in the glorious world of the cloud in AWS with the last the cache like multi AZ auto failover it's like I don't even need to think about it so it's not like super complicated but you still have to deal with that thing not being available right so you're having to write code yeah. that deals with it like you're gonna have to write because you're hitting a different service now it's like that code that I said okay you gotta get from the cache then you gotta deal with cache validation like we were talking about. Like it's not trivial, but I get yeah, the sense that like it, it's like oh, just add caching. <laughs> like, it's so there's there's a difference too. I think between like I have code that I've written and it performs okay, and I'm going to add caching, and now it's really good, as opposed to like thinking about the cache first. Right? It's like oh, I already have a cache. So I'm going to write my code knowing I have the cache. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to write crappy queries essentially, right? That or whatever, right? It's like, oh, it works. I tested it on my machine. It works well. It's using the cache and it's fast. And then something happens and it's like your horrible query is really not as performant as it should be. And you killed your database or whatever, right? Like it's, you kind of take it for granted. Exactly, because the one thing that, yeah, I would say my motto now would be optimize the shit out of the queries that you're doing um, and also pay attention to the queries that you're writing that are the, the not like the queries that you're physically writing and code to your database that are the <laughs> ones that are building out what you're going to cache because if you're using that for a fallback, when the time comes when you actually start falling back, like in mass, because mm -hmm. you can't reach the cache or timeouts or whatever the case may be, I'm speaking from personal experience in the last couple of weeks, you want those things to be lightning because you're going to be adding so many more of those things to your primary, to your database or whatever database you're hitting, even if it's a read replica, you're going to be hammering it now, especially if you use that cache heavily, right? If that's a, if that's an operation of getting some particular key or set of keys. Um, yeah, it's it's just something that you're gonna. It's not obvious until you deal with the pain of it that you're yeah. like, oh, this this is an implication that I never really thought of. Yeah, and I've seen caching try to fix like n plus one problems where just very simple example, right? Is like you have a loop of objects, and each of those was written in a way that it needs to do a database query to get whatever. There's like a user property on that. Um, it may use lazy loading or whatever, right? doesn't matter. Every time you go and hit the loop, you've got to do at least one database call to get that information. So, I mean, yeah, it like, again, if you're in like horrid legacy code that is hard to change, then it's potentially less, quote, risk to put a cache behind that call, and now your loops are not doing a database call every every time. 
Um, so that is an easy fix, and I say less risky. Um, but then, yeah, you kind of trade it off for a whole other set of yeah. issues. And if if you go through, like, let's say, a whole bunch of areas and do those kinds of fixes, what happens when the cache is not available or what happens when, like, for whatever reason, you have a high load, which we haven't talked about. Um, if you do have a high load and you're using, like, a memory cache, for example, you have a threshold of how big your cache can be. And then you get into a situation where every request coming in is is having to pop another item out of the cache. And this kind of is similar to what you were talking about, where you end up with this vicious cycle of yeah. one request pops one out of the thing, and then the next request has to pop that one out. And so you end up not even, it's like cache misses all the time, because they, um, probably because you're caching too much. At least that's what I've seen is you're, you're not caching fine grained enough. And you just have these like massive, massive uh, composite objects that you're caching, and but I mean those are all like that's just exactly what you're saying, right? It's it's not so simple, and it's easy to kind of be enamored with the this will fix all my woes and yeah, because when you start adding present. it, it's just like oh, just cache this, fetch it out of the cache, works. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> it works this is fine right like it's no big deal i just yeah. yeah i think i think on the surface yeah it's easy win but then the reality will set in in a hurry when stuff goes wrong that there's way more to it than just i just have redis and i fetch stuff out of here and it's no big deal and yeah i just i think the number of complexities you're adding are at a serious cost I guess that's the best yeah. way to put it. Like, it's not, it's just not trivial. Like, there's, I think there's a serious cost to it that I don't, I don't know. I may, again, I always wonder these things. I'm like, is it just me? Like, am I in this weird bubble that, because I don't hear much about it? Like, yeah. do you hear about like people talking about like the, I mean, yes, you hear about cache invalidation, but like, do you hear about people talking about like the complexities of caching? The one thing I never, no. I just thought about this. The one thing I never even thought of was how people deal with versioning. And I left yeah. that out of my view because I'm like, oh, I'll save that for something else. But like, <laughs> yeah, you want to change, you know what I mean? The, the structure that of the cache and there's different ways to version it. So like, that's another complexity. Like it's. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, in my experience, like most developers I've worked with don't even have, that's like not even a tool in their tool belt. To cash, yeah. And the examples I have seen of people using caching is to fix some of those like band-aids like I've talked about. Yeah. Where it's like you need to probably just like redesign what you have. Caching's not really gonna Yeah. Do anything. And plus I think the whole other thing if, again, like it's like it just keeps going is like caching where you're actually affecting the system, um, like you're doing like let's say you have some kind of business invariant that you need to, you know, figure out is am I allowed to do this action? If you have caching involved in that in any way, then you're talking about having stale data. That could be a problem. But then on like, there's kind of a whole other part or I don't know, side of the coin 
where I think, at least my first thought, is probably it's it's not as bad to have caching, or at least the you know it won't lead to as many bad things happening. Is like on a purely like reporting side of things, where these are maybe like reports that whatever that doesn't matter what kind of report, but it's a report that's not like real time. Yeah. Right? So it's a report that it's like. You go to this page and it's going to show you a report of blah, 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 blah. And, you know, in quotes, we, we, we can, you know, this is up to date as of, as of yeah. 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? You have that SLA, which is a whole other topic we haven't talked about is SLAs too, which caching can help, but it, again, introduces issues. Um, but I think, yeah, like if you know you have a report and your SLA is X minutes probably is how up to date this is. Then caching's okay, um, and then that brings up a whole other issue of SLAs, where I think caching can people use caching to help with SLAs, um, which again runs into all these other issues. <laughs> the one thing you, so, yeah, the one thing you were saying uh, that it just it it made me think of this question that I I think of quite often and i think this is like uh, i like everything it depends on context however i'm just like general thought so this is a question to you is and you've probably seen this is okay there is a my favorite thing in the world a repository hence the sarcasm there for people <laughs> can't tell you have a repository whatever the heck it is a some entity repository that you would see I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying what I see. <laughs> and then the general kind of uh, feeling or wording I've, I've seen is, well, you know what I mean? This, because we have this interface, we can swap out this for the cat, the cache repository. Like I, instead of the I product repository or generic repository, another sarc yep. sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that you then have an implementation that uses a cache. So my question to you is one, have you seen that? Yes. Two. Have I done it? Yes. Okay. Now, so here's the, here's the thing that I always think about is as a consumer of that, I ridiculous repository, <laughs> do you know should you know that you may be getting cached data or in other words, stale data? And do you know what I mean? Like, or is there an expectation yep. that you're getting 100% like at the time of that call, you're for sure getting what it was at that moment? I, I know people are listening and thinking, well, everything's stale technically. By the time you get it to the time, yeah. you know, yes, okay, I get it. But my point being is like if something is cached and it can have staleness of like for what, because you don't know what the caching strategy is behind the scenes. Let's say that yeah. thing just is using some yeah. time to live expiry of like five minutes. We have a five, potentially a five minute old cache. Does that matter to the caller? Does, does, like should yeah. the caller know about it? Like, you know what I mean? Saying like, hey, like, I just, I have this thing and I've always been using this I thing repository 
and it worked great. Yep. And then all of a sudden now I'm getting all these issues because of data consistency, because all of a sudden yep. there's a new implementation that's using a cache. And I have like, I had no idea when I was writing that code. So it always makes me wonder when people throw in like a new implementation behind that interface that's starting to use a cache. It's like, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. I can give you some examples. So how do I feel about that? This, I I, well, I guess my Mark, my question is like, are you with <laughs> me? Like, I guess I saying there's context because maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't matter to the caller. But yeah. I just generally feel like there's a weirdness to I that of like, of like betrayal. <laughs> you know I mean? think, you're, you're betraying that I, client. Yeah, I think you're deceiving yourself if you think it doesn't matter. Now, that being said, Will you run into issues? I don't know. But yeah, I think, I, I think it's context-based, but... But, like, I, yeah, I've seen it done, for example, a repository that fetches a current session from the database. Um, every, every HTTP request that comes in has to go to the database to get that session's information, which might user ID and blah, 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 whatever you've decided to, to have there. And... Yeah, so you had an alternate um, implementation of that repository or whatever. So, you know, it's like, okay, now now you know that you're not, like, hitting the database for that request on every HTTP request um, like for that user specifically. I've seen it, but, yeah, that's, that's just it. Like, that, maybe that's an example where it doesn't matter so much because it's cross-cutting, you know what I mean? It's not like application logic specific. But then I have seen it happen in application logic where, yeah, it's like because because the developer knew that it was cached, they were they were trying to get hit the cache in a loop, right? Like I mentioned before, because they already know up front. Oh well, I just I know that like I've already injected that implementation behind the scenes from my yeah. BI. And, and now I'm writing really bad code that looks like it performs okay, but if you remove that cache or whatever, if there's a network issue, or, you know, you'll have weird stuff happen potentially. So yeah, my, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I feel like if you're going to do it, know what you're doing and make it explicit and that's probably just the safest thing to do. Yeah. I think there's right there's a limit to like abstractions. It's like even like thinking about like the single repo single responsibility, that whole idea, it's like now you're caching and you're doing database calls and like you're kinda conflating different things and I mean SRP is kind of ambiguous anyways, but I you know it's not a principle I like to be like Single responsibility. Don't do that. Everything is a function. At, ultimately, <laughs> at that point, like, yeah. I always say, like everything just becomes screw it for OO. It's just everything becomes a function at this point. Take it to yeah. the extreme. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like now it's like it reminds me of web forms, right? Web forms would abstract all the like HTML, all that stuff from you. HTTP. Which up front, sorry, H yeah, HTTP. Well, HTML also, right? Yeah, I guess it could, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, I can build rapid, or build applications rapidly, and it's so easy to create a data table 
which is like all web farms is good for. And as soon as you need to do anything that's like beyond a basic form, you're starting to have to like jump through hoops and all that, right? So yeah, I kind of feel like that abstraction is like in theory it's nice and on paper it's nice, but then because it's not explicit, yeah, I feel like it's it's very it reminds me very much of like domain driven design, right? Like one of the like main things is it's like make everything explicit. Yeah. Right? It's this is this is a this thing. It's not like a abstracted whatever, blah blah blah. This is the thing that you're trying to deal with in this context. Here's the boundary. I know exactly what I need to do. Um, well, in theory, again. <laughs> yeah. Relatively. So, anyways, yeah, I I agree. I I would rather. There's no reason you can't have an abstraction around your caching, right? It doesn't mean you're going to have like adding like 20 lines of code to every time you need to do use your cache. But to have yeah to have that implicit implicitly done and. Like you said, now you you lose control over how long you can cache and or how you're going to cache it, and like issues around like different priorities when you're caching thing. You might have like this is a high priority item or this is a low priority item. You have to handle that. How do you handle that now? And yeah, I don't like it. Moral of the story is cache <laughs> caching is hard. That's why I said yeah. caching ain't easy. Like it's 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 yeah. difficult. It's there's a whole whack load of problems. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loosely Coupled Show. If you did, please subscribe for more on software architecture and design.